Good morning. morning. I want to say a special good morning in case our Ecuador team is able to tune in. Just let them know. Say, hey, we're praying for you. And Farah, thank you for doing our announcements this morning. I know that was a lot for you to get up and do. Oh, wait a minute. She taped those before she left. That's the deal. All right. Well, listen, the spirit of Jesus in me greets the spirit of Jesus in you, and he calls us together to worship him on this damp Sunday morning. Aren't you glad you're here? Kind of mixed reviews. Aren't you glad you're here rather than the emergency room? Okay, that's a little better. I'm glad that you are here. Um, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And it is a good thing for us to be able to enter his house with thanksgiving and to enter his courts with praise whenever the opportunity arises. And I'm so thankful I get to be with you here today. Let me start off today by just saying I need to give credit for this sermon idea and some of the nuts and bolts to Burt Jones, a friend of mine. He preached a sermon similar to this years ago, and I was like, I've got to steal that one. And so uh, I'm preaching his sermon idea, but it's my outline that I've expanded, and it's my words. And so I just want to give him credit and a shout out for for the great job he did to inspire me today. Now, have you ever had fun at church? Okay, mixed reviews. Some of you haven't, and and today I hope we can change that. I want you to participate with us as we play a game this morning, all right? I want to find out how good you are at recognizing TV theme songs, okay? And so put your thinking caps on. When the the music plays, as soon as you know what I... uh, the song is or what the um, TV show is, I want you to raise your hand so that we know. Don't say anything for those that are still trying to figure it out, especially Maddie and Landon. You've cheated. You, you read the sermon notes, so you don't get to participate today. All right? So let's hear the first song. All right. You got it? All right. What is it? Oh, wow. Big Bang Theory theory fans in the house. Okay. How about this next one? All right. Anybody? The Office. Okay. Good for y'all. All right. This one is a tricky one. So let's, let's listen to the next one. All right. Well, what do we got there? Seinfeld. I mean, that bass riff, it just gives it away. All right. How about this next one? Have you heard of it? Think TV crime? CSI. You're right. All right. So let's see if I can stump you with this one. There's, there's one or two. Did I stump you? What do we got? Nope. 30 Rock. If you only knew a few of these, you should have come to the 9 o'clock service because I did classic TV back there, okay? Um, you would have probably hit a home run at that service. Matter of fact, just go and watch the beginning of that service to see how good you can do compared to how you did here. I want to give you a bonus one, though, today here in this service, and it is from Classic TV, okay? See if I can trick you with this one. 
All right. How about it? My three sons, you're correct. You remember this? Look at that. I loved watching that foot stomp. And then what always reminds me of my three sons is when they start announcing who the stars are, they push the hands down, and then to change it, they kind of collapse them together. So you got this motion going on. I loved my three sons. And it always stood out to me because of that intro music and also just that little animated start. My three sons, for those of you that don't know, was a sitcom a sitcom that aired from September the 29th, 1960 to April the 13th, 1972. It lasted that long, and it was on two different networks. It started on NBC, and when the show wanted to go into Technicolor, they had to switch to ABC, who was willing to pay that expense. This, this show starred Fred McMurray, and he played a widower who, had, uh, who was raising three sons along with the boys, Uncle Charlie. It featured them navigating life and dealing with issues. You know, it was one of those classic TV sitcoms. It was typical of classic TV. There was a storyline and a story was told that dealt with life issues, but it gave some sort of moral lesson or taught or affirmed some truth as a part of what was going on for that 30-minute or uh, hour block of time. They used to be phenomenal storytellers on TV that would just kind of wrap you in and get you involved and then kind of teach you something of worth or value all within the span of a short period of time. You know who else was good at telling stories? Our Jesus. Our Jesus was the best storyteller ever, don't you think? I mean, people, wherever they were, come to hear Jesus' stories. They could understand his stories. They learned from his stories. They were inspired and challenged by his stories. I'm reminded today of one story he told in Matthew, uh, the 20, uh, 21st chapter, verses 28 through 32, about a man with two sons. Now, before we read the scripture, let me set the backdrop for this scenario. It's already Holy Week in, in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus has already entered into Jerusalem triumphantly. He's already gone and cleaned out the temple. He's cursed the fig tree. And then here in this story, he's teaching in the temple. And while he's teaching, the scribes and the Pharisees and the chief priests came and began to question his authority. On, on whose authority are you doing these things? Honestly, I think they were still a little miffed about him turning over the tables in the temple. But they had always been triggered by Jesus. They had an issue with him, and they just couldn't put their finger on it. And so they just come out, by whose authority are you doing all these things? And in typical Jesus fashion, he answers their question with a question. One day, I would love to do a sermon series talking about the questions that Jesus asked. I think that'd be a phenomenal study for us to do as a church. And so, as he answers their question with a question, he says to them, by whose authority did John the Baptist 
use? Where did his authority originate? From heaven or from among men? Now, they began to think and to reason in their hearts. All of the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they began to think about it as, as elders of the people because they knew their answer, no matter how they answered it, was probably going to get them in a sticky situation. Because if they said that John the Baptist's authority came from heaven, that Jesus would be able to condemn them from, for not listening to what he was preaching and saying. If, on the other hand, they said that John's authority came from among men, they knew that they would have a lot of trouble with the people of the day because those people really believed that John's authority came from God. And so, instead of getting it wrong, they decided not to answer. And so, because they didn't answer, Jesus didn't answer their question. Instead, he tells this story. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and he said, son, go to work today in the vineyard. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and went. The man came to the second son and he said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, I truly say to you that the tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. And you, seeing this, did not even feel remorse afterward so as to believe him. This story is such a powerful story. And what Jesus is doing is telling us about two very distinct and different sons. The first son was applauded for understanding the father's desire and walking in it, even though he rejected it at first. This, this son is representative of the tax collectors and the prostitute. While they rejected John's message at first, they changed their hearts and their minds, and they repented and were baptized. So you got these amazing folks, the sinners and the riffraff that, that the religious elite looked down on, and they were the ones who initially rejected, but, but then they came around and repented and received God's goodness being offered by John the Baptist. And then there was a second son who basically agreed with the father but then abandoned doing the Father's will. The scribes and the Pharisees and the elders, they were there and they heard John's words. They attended his gatherings. They listened to his preaching. Perhaps even they nodded a few times, seemingly in agreement, but they never repented. Even though they may have agreed with some of what he said, they completely abandoned the message and never acted on it. You see, they were religious leaders, but they weren't walking in obedience to the Father's words, wishes, or ways. So when Jesus asked the crowd, who did the will of the Father? Everyone says, the first son, the one who rejected, but then turned around and ended up doing what the Father required and asked of them. When they answered that question, they exposed themselves. 
the religious elite were unable to recognize the source of Jesus's authority because ultimately they never recognized God's authority in any of the prophets that he had sent to them and most recently that of John the Baptist. And they would have been convicted to their soul. And after Jesus tells a few more stories, the Bible says they thought about seizing him, but they had a different thought. And so they waited for another time in order to get him to the cross, which would take place in a few days. It had to be a powerfully convicting story for those who were there and realized that the story was about them. But I believe it's not just a story that was for them at that time. I believe that's the beauty of God's word. It's living and active, and it can speak to our hearts and our situations today in a powerful way, just like it spoke to them in a powerful way at that time. So today, I want us to look into this story and learn the lessons that maybe Jesus has for us in this parable of God's three sons. And I want us to apply it to our lives today. Now, I want us to go back to slide two. I kind of, Sheila and I went back and forth and I changed two or three different times. And so instead of going in the order of the story in the scripture, I want to flip it up a little bit because um, for us, I want it to, to be something worth thinking about. It's still the same story. It's still the same aspects. It's just, I'm mixing up the order. Can I do that today? All right, we're going to be faithful to God's word. I'm going to preach God's word, but we're just going to take the people in a different order. So first of all, we have that son who agreed, but then abandoned. The son was quick to volunteer, but just as quick to vacate on his promise. Did you see that in the scripture? Have you ever encountered someone like this through your years of living, willing to help? but tends to find a way out of that commitment. Those kind of folks that are all talk, but very little action. I I meet with a group on Tuesdays at the poor. We call ourselves the coffee commandos. And we're just a bunch of Christian guys who get together and talk about life. And we give each other a hard time. And it's just a safe place to go and just to relax a little bit. And we've got one guy who is just a sweetheart of a fella. He's always willing to lend a helping hand to anybody that needs it. But we give him a hard time because once or twice he had something come up that prevented him from being able to help out. And so we give him a hard time because he had once or twice a family obligation that pulled him out of town. So now we rib him mercilessly about these out-of-town trips and the timing of them, right? So we'll be sitting around and we'll be talking about a project and we'll be like, oh yeah, who's available to help us out on Saturday? Oh, wait a minute. We know you can't because you're going to be out of town with family business, right? And it's all in fun because it's not true. Unfortunately, we have had those experiences with people who are all talk and no action. Unfortunately, I mean, you're thinking about names and people and times and places. I know for me, one of the struggles I've had with the agree and abandon uh, personality was in youth ministry. Back a million years ago after the earth cooled and I was in youth ministry, I I had, um, and this is not this church, all right, so I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, all right? None of my former youth, if you're listening online, this doesn't apply to you. 
for my other youth group, yes, I'm talking about you, okay? Um, but they would sign up for anything and everything we were doing. If we were going on a trip, they'd sign up. If we were having a serve day, they'd sign up. If we were raising money, they'd sign up. But I always knew if they signed up, I would have half or less of that group show up. It was just a sad and disheartening thing because they always seemed to back out at the last minute. Now, here's what I think. If those kind of instances and those kind of people are disheartening and disappointing to us, think about how God feels when we do that very same thing to him. See, in this son, we find somebody paying lip service to the father, but his heart really wasn't all about the father. He says the right thing, but there's no follow-through. Jesus called this kind of person out when he described them in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. These people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. This could also describe those people that Jesus talked about in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Those who put their hand to the plow and then turn back and turn away. Eager at the very beginning, but not willing to stay the course. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said in, in Matthew 5, 37, let your yes be yes and your no be no. What he's saying is, I want you to mean what you say and say what you mean. Make sure that your walk matches your talk. What do we tend to call this type of person where their walk and talk don't match? Have you ever heard that word hypocrite? I mean, there's a lot of people in the world calling us hypocrites that, that come to church, and, and, and I don't like that. I don't like it when my walk and my talk don't match, and I know it's got to break God's heart. You know, there, there's this old saying among preachers that we had a group that came just as they were to the altar, just as they are, and they left just as they were. Big on talk, very short on follow-through. And I got to believe that this uh, agree and abandon son or daughter breaks the father's heart. And then we see another son or daughter mentioned. This is the one, and we're going to slide number one, where they reject the father's request, but ultimately repent. You see, this son's initial response was to reject the father's request. But after a period of time, this son has a change of heart. So even though he refused to work, eventually he repents of his attitude and submits to the father's will. This, this son was guilty of the wrong words, but the right action. You ever been guilty of that? You mess up and you say the wrong thing initially, but then the spirit convicts you or you realize your error and you correct it. It's kind of like that old adage Actions speak louder than words. I think that's what sums up this son in, in spades. His actions spoke louder than his rejection of the father's request. God has a request for us. And how many times do we reject or we resist what the father is saying to us? My father-in-law um, has been my friend long before he was my father-in-law. I knew him when he worked at the post office and where he was just a simple choir director, if you can just be a simple choir director, major undertaking. 
and he talked about feeling this call to ministry for years. Year after year, he felt the tug of the Holy Spirit calling him. But time after time, he kept rejecting God's call on his life. But one day, I was leading a trip in Mexico, and Gary, my father-in-law, happened to be on that trip. And during the course of that trip, God gripped him in such a way that after every one of those rejections, he finally repented and embraced God's call on his life. And when he surrendered to the call and became a pastor, it's made all the difference in his life for him, but more importantly for all those who've been impacted by his ministry. All he could think of to begin with was, I've not been to college, I've not been to seminary, I'm I'm this old, I've been in this job, Uh, there's no way God can use me at this age. But then he realized, when God calls, God qualifies, and he's enabled you to go and do what you need to do in order to follow through with his will and his calling. Did Gary's rejection hurt God's heart? Yeah, it had to have. But I think it was far outweighed by his repentance demonstrated by his willingness to become a pastor and serve in God's vineyard. That pleased the Lord. You know what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6? That without faith, it's impossible to please God. But the kind of faith we have to have is described in James chapter 2, verse 20. That faith without works is dead. We can't just speak about it. We've got to put some skin in the game. We've got to show some sweat equity to demonstrate our faith. We're not saved by works, but God is pleased by an active, obedient faith that gets in there and gets her done, according to Larry the Cable Guy. Jesus asked the crowd. He's like, now, you've got the agree and abandon fella, and you've got the reject and repent fella. Which of them did the will of the Father? And the crowd responds by saying, the one who obeyed. The one who did what the Father requested. So you got these two boys, and the crowd's lifting up the reject and, and repent one. You know what I think about those two boys? I don't think any, either one of them are worth their salt. I, I think they're both pretty sorry myself. Because the bottom line, did either of them completely honor their father? No. Seriously. I mean, think about this in your instances. Maybe some of your fathers were similar to mine. If I had refused a request of my father, there would have been issues, right? And if I had not followed through with something I promised my dad I would do, there would have been even bigger issues, right? Anybody, can I get an amen on that? All right. So here, these sons are interacting with their father and neither one of them are are, are making an A+. Now here's the cool thing. God is willing to forgive us and the errors that we make when we repent and return. But you know, I firmly believe what the father is looking for and seeking in sons and daughters are those who will commit and complete. That's a God-honoring child of God. One who, who understands that, that the Father wants our hearts to be so connected in Him and so responsive to His love in our life that whatever He says, we'll gladly commit to it and complete it. Make sure that it gets done. 
Not this agreeing and abandoning stuff. Not this rejecting and repenting stuff while that's good. What God's looking for is just simple, loving obedience. That's the bottom line. That's what he's want. That's who he's looking for. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. Samuel says this, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. God doesn't really want us to have to repent. He just wants us to obey, to agree, and then to get it done. Then, then we hear this in 2 John chapter 1, verse 6. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. We hear the Father, we agree with what the Father is saying, and we go out there and do what the Father has requested. James chapter 1, verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all they do. But perhaps the best scriptural support I can give for God's desire to have people commit and complete is found in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. But if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. If you are willing, you agree, and you're obedient, you do, you will eat good things from the land. But if you reject or resist and rebel against what God's wanting, then you will be devoured by the sword. God seeks those who will commit and complete. I'm going to close with this question today. What is God or what has God asked you to do? Perhaps he has asked you to get saved and you're still on the fence. Perhaps God has asked you to forgive somebody who's hurt you. Perhaps he's been kind of putting on your heart the need for you to serve him in some capacity within his body. Perhaps it's to tithe or to raise the level of your discipling of your family. Maybe it's that you need to be sharing your faith more. Or maybe, just maybe, God's calling some of you into ministry. What is God asking you to do for him? And I've not lost my place and I've not forgot of things to say. I just want to sit that there for you. And let God's Spirit speak. Because God's Spirit is always speaking. The bottom line is, we're too busy. We live, in a we live in a world that has lots of noise and distraction that very few times have we had time just to sit at the Father's feet and listen to what He has to say. Or we listen, but then we excuse it, saying, ah, oh, that was just me or some bad pizza or something like that. that. I don't hear God's voice. Nobody hears God's voice. Come on. But God is speaking. And God's offering and asking you to do some really significant things. Getting saved, that's huge. Forgiving somebody, that's huge. Serving, tithing, sharing your faith, it's huge. Being willing to step forward and be willing to accept a call, come on. 
What is God saying? And after you have a moment to listen and hear and reflect and remember what God's been saying, I want you to ask yourself this question. Which of the three sons best describes your response toward him? Just going to let that sit there for a while. Now I'm going to ask you, is God pleased by the son or the daughter that you are by your response? Here's what I love. If you're the one who has agreed, yeah, God, I probably need to do that, but then you've just let it go. There's hope for you. That we have a God. Jesus died not only for the prostitute and the tax collector, he died for the religious elite, and he died for you, and he died for me. And if you've agreed but then abandoned, all you have to do is repent and return so that you may be on mission with God and doing what he asked you to do. All you gotta do is just get in the game. But then maybe some of you, you've heard God's voice and you've rejected or resisted. God, I don't wanna forgive that person. I, I, don't, I don't wanna go there. I don't wanna do that. But maybe over time, you've heard God's still small voice repeating it over and over and over again. And you've stepped up and repented and embraced what God would have you to do and you're doing it. Praise God. But I hope that the majority of you are those sons and daughters who when the Spirit speaks, you leap into action. Yes, Lord, you can count on me. I will commit. And with your help and by your grace, I will complete it until it's done. Here's my action for you this week. This is what I really want you to take away from the sermon today. What is it that God is saying to you, about you, about your life, about the next step that he wants you to take in your faith? And I want you with everything that you have within you to fall into agreement with it and complete what the Father would have you be and do. Let's be people who commit and complete. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I pray for this, this group. And as the band comes and leads us in the final song, speak to us, Holy Spirit. Adjust the things that need to be adjusted in us so that we will become those people you've called us to be, doing the things freely and openly and willingly. And Lord, forgive us when we mess up. Forgive us and help us to do better. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said.